everybody. Welcome to Utterly Astounded, where eschatology meets current events meets real life. At least my regular real life at home here in Southern California. Well, welcome everyone. I have two great guests with me today, Jeff Kinley and Todd Hampson, and they are the hosts of the podcast, The Prophecy Pros. Jeff has written more than 30 books and speaks across the country. And Todd is a best-selling author, speaker, illustrator, and animation producer. And they both love biblical prophecy and eschatology. Would that be fair to say, guys? I think that's true. Yeah, absolutely. Great. So I picked up your book at our church's uh, Shepherds Conference, Book Tent. Every year we have about 4,000 pastors from all over the world, and they, they come to our church. And so we have every Christian publisher there during those three days. And it's so great. So I'm at the Harvest House table. And there you are with this book, and I picked it up, and I love it. It's the Prophecy Pros Illustrated Guide to the Tough Questions About the End Times, and it's a very helpful resource. So many good timelines, graphics, charts that really help clarify things. And I loved Chapter 3. I just love the, the breaking down of all the signs and categories, the super sign, Israel becoming a nation in 1948, signs in geopolitics, nature, spiritual, cultural, technological, and convergence, which is my big argument. We've never seen all of these things come together in history quite like we're seeing now. I mean, 40 years ago, you have things here and there in place, yes, but not the amount we currently see. And I like your bullet points in the book about why should I care about prophecy? Why should we care about biblical prophecy? Well, one out of every 30 verses in the New Testament contains prophecy. And for every time the first coming of Jesus is mentioned, the second coming is mentioned eight times. And we have 224 prophecies yet to be fulfilled. So gentlemen, we are living in exciting times. So welcome both of you. Thank you so much, Lynn. Yeah, thanks. The pleasure. Scripture, I want to talk about the apostasy a little bit. Scripture speaks about a general apostasy that permeates the church age. So 1 Timothy 4.1 says, now the spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. And then there's a specific event in 2 Thessalonians 2.3 let no one deceive you by any means for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. And that event is supposed to be identifiable and a collective act of rebellion. So what do you see in our culture today that points to an increase in apostasy? And I'm very curious, who do you think make up the falling away? Is that people who claim to come to Christ after the rapture, but really didn't? Or people who thought they were believers when the rapture happened, but they weren't? or a combination? What do you see there? Well, I would say, you know, from that passage, Lynn, that we see a couple of things. Uh, first of all, the, the word apostasy means to stand away from. So you have the idea that that something was once standing close to something, but now it's distancing itself from that. I think we're seeing that today within the professed church of Christ, uh, really worldwide, uh, but especially even in evangelicalism, where there's really two kinds of apostasy that we see going on. One is doctrinal apostasy, where they're abandoning some of the core tenets of the faith. They're abandoning uh, the book of Genesis, uh, the literal creation account of Genesis. So they're standing away from that. They're going to alternate uh, motives or alternate explanations, rather. And they're really abandoning the prophetic narrative that God has for the end times in Revelation. So and then in between there, you've got uh, 
people that are obviously have questioned the this uh, efficacy of the death of Christ, uh, the deity of Christ, uh, the inerrancy of the scriptures. All of these things are part of the crumbling foundation of the faith that we're seeing. And, and you know, Paul even told Timothy, there's going to come a day when men are going to gather to themselves, people who are accustomed to their own desires, their ear ticklers, you know, will tell them what they want. And of course, that's that really drives the narrative of most of evangelicalism today. Uh, is that uh, as one one famous uh, pastor said that a lot of churches are really a, a rock concert followed by a light show followed by a TED talk, you know, <laughs> and so we're seeing a lot of that motivational speaking rather than expositional uh, teaching and preaching of the word. So I think we're seeing that in evangelicalism, even in major denominations. Uh, we're seeing uh, gay and lesbian priests being ordained. Uh, the Lutheran Church just recently ordained a transgender. Uh, so we're seeing a lot of that falling away in many, many different areas. And then obviously in, in the moral area as well, we see it in culture uh, where, you know, America was once a Judeo-Christianized nation. Uh, we have certainly fallen away from that. So that's kind of the now. But in the end times, in the latter days, I think we're going to see that on a global scale uh, in terms of the world itself just pushing away from God in every way possible and uh, I don't want to take too much time on this, but just with the Antichrist coming on the scene, you know, he's going to be someone who is in place of Christ, but also against Christ. So he's going to lead a, a worldwide religion, the false prophet will, that'll lead the whole world away from anything remotely associated with Christ. So I think when you say apostasy, it's sort of like an umbrella term that really encompasses all those things. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I think it's kind of interesting when you look at like, you know, in one sense, apostasy has been happening for a couple hundred years now. But, you know, I mean, Yale and Harvard used to be seminaries, you know, so there's been a, a an attack at the root of Christianity, so to speak. But by and large, Christendom as a whole, especially evangelicalism, has been pretty solid, you know. But like Jeff said, right now we're seeing some of these waves after waves of various ways that the enemy is infiltrating and, and gutting Christianity from what it really intends to be. And, you know, you mentioned Second Thessalonians 2, and one of the things it mentions there in verses uh, 6 and 7 is that the restrainer has to be removed before the Antichrist can be revealed. And then above that, so looking at a little bit of the chronology, above that it talks about there has to be a falling away and then the Antichrist revealed. So if the restrainer has to be removed before the Antichrist is revealed, I, I wonder, and this is a little bit of speculation, but some sanctified speculation, so to speak, that maybe what we're seeing now is laying the groundwork for everything that we're seeing, but the actual real intense falling away may occur maybe after the rapture. And that's what kind of really prepares the way for the Antichrist to rise. Maybe after the rapture is gone, the culture that we're seeing right now is like, okay, finally, those, those nuts are out of here. We're the real Christians, but they're, they've fallen away or, you know, whatever, I'm not sure. But, there, but it does, I guess all that to say, it seems to be a specific event. It's so significant. It's the falling away. So either that, and I don't know the timing of that, that could happen prior to the rapture, but it seems maybe based on second Thessalonians two, maybe a logical order of events would be that we're seeing the kind of the birth pains leading up to that. Now the rapture, and then the real intense, complete falling away. And then that that's what helps give rise to the antichrist. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And you know, going to Grace Church, we get a lot of flack for being too restrictive, let's say, shall I use that word? But when I think about what's happening in the world, and you think about the church that you go to, and 
you just want to cling to scripture and solid biblical truth. And there's so much on the fringe that is just really scary. And so even though it might be, I want to just, again, say a little, a little bit, uh, stoic and doctrinally sound, I'm so glad I am at a church that teaches the truth and is not compromising because of what you were saying, Jeff, just so much compromise these days. And we have to be so careful. So that's, that's so true. And you know, what's, what's great about that, Lynn, is that, you know, Ephesians four, it tells us that the job of a pastor teacher is to equip the saints. And one of the kind of the side benefits of that is that we're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. There are a lot of winds of doctrine that are blowing today within the evangelical community, not, you know, not to mention what's going on out there in the world. And so, so many Christians, because they're so biblically illiterate Mm -hmm. and have not been grounded and rooted in the scriptures, they're being tossed back and forth. They're following these trends. They're chasing after conspiracy theories and all these other things, or they're just not even paying attention. And right. so that's part of the mission that we have, uh, as Todd and I have partnered together for this Prophecy Pros ministry, is we're trying to reach some of those Christians that may not have been exposed to the truth. And really, it's it's sort of a, a eureka moment for them, we're finding, mm-hmm. is I never knew this was in my Bible. Yeah, it's right. been there all along. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> Great. Okay. Well, now I wanted to talk about Mark 13, 12 through 13 says, and brother will deliver brother over to death and the father, his child and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated for all by my namesake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And I know this refers to normal family love growing cold in context. The scripture is during the tribulation. But we definitely see some of this happening now. And of course, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 3, but understand this, that in the last days, there will be times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, and the list goes on. And I was thinking about this in terms of COVID-19 brought a lot of this to the forefront. Some family members stopped speaking to one another over vax Mm -hmm. mandates and masks, and we saw major shakeups in the church over obeying government policies regarding worship. So I'd like maybe some of your thoughts on that and how the pandemic was maybe a precursor to more factions and people turning against one another as apostasy increases and the days grow darker, especially within the family dynamics. Do you guys know who Dennis Prager is? The conservative Jewish guy? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He does these fireside chats and I he's obviously not a Christian, so his eschatology is off, but he did this fireside chat and he was saying that there's so many, so many parents that he talks to whose children don't speak to them anymore. And I think that this is sort of that normal family love growing cold, kids growing up, not talking to their parents. And he says, when he talks to a group, he'll ask the question, who's experiencing this? And so many hands go up. It's becoming like this epidemic. And I think that's the rumblings of this prophecy as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, you're absolutely right. There's been a huge disconnect during COVID. And it really, it was created by those who were putting out these mandates and basically created a division between the mask and the unmask, uh, the one who would get vaxxed or unvaxxed. And so they created this sort of almost like a hatred for one another and a, mm-hmm. a false self-righteousness for some. In fact, I read today a, an article about 
uh, people, you know, the, they lifted the mask mandate for travel and I'm actually flying tomorrow. So this applies to me, but they said, you know, Hey, if you get on the plane and there's someone there, that's not wearing a mask here, are five things you can do to annoy them and make them feel horrible. You mm. know, I just thought, what kind of world are we in that, that, you know, news agencies are putting out these kinds of articles and stuff, but it has, it's gone down to family. We all probably have family or extended family members that this has affected uh, us in some way. And it really, I think boils down to the fact that Satan hates the family. Uh, he hates marriage. He hates godly parenting, mm -hmm. and he would do anything he can to try to, to form that sort of disconnect. I mean, it's hard enough to raise your kids uh, as it is, just in a sort of semi-neutral environment or a safe environment. Mm -hmm. But then we've got the hostility of the world that's trying to tear the family apart. But I think for Christian parents, Lynn, I think it really boils down to this, is that we and we are and have been responsible for our children. We're responsible to raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord and to bring them up in a godly home. So it's really on the parents to to continue to, I mean, starting when they're itty bitty babies, to make those those hard deposits every day into their bank yep. account, that spiritual relational bank account, because that pays off in royal funds uh, at the end of this thing. And mm -hmm. so I think for a Christian, we've got to really protect our children from the narrative of the world as much as we can and mm -hmm. continue to uh, to impart scripture to them. But you're right. I mean, it's it's divided people in church, it's all this. And that's part of Satan's plan. It's groomed us for the day mm -hmm. when the majority of the population are going to be conditioned to accept what the government says because of peace and safety. Uh, they're going to have another crisis. There, there'll be another crisis, trust me. And that'll lead to chaos, but then they'll come mm -hmm. in, they'll bring calm to it, you know, give us another stimulus package or whatever. <laughs> and But eventually it's going to lead to compliance uh, for the masses and then ultimately control. And we know in the tribulation period, that control means the mark of the beast. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, we've sp spoken at a few conferences and Jeff actually has a really good message on that in that how the response, every response to the COVID and everything that happened really mirrors category by category exactly what's going to happen after the rapture in the tribulation period. So it's almost like we're getting a, a sneak preview. We have a front row seat to see, oh my gosh, look how fast things can change. And it's, it's no coincidence that, that they happen in the exact same order and in the same way that they're going to happen once the church is taken out of here and evil can just take over. And one other comment that came to mind, you know, you mentioned that uh, 2 Timothy 3 uh, verses at the top of the chapter where it talks about you know, the conditions of the last day. The last part of that says having a form of godliness, but denying its power. I think that's a key part of that whole list of components that we see in our culture is that it's not that people are, I mean, yeah, atheism's on the rise and every occult thing you can name is on the rise, but people are actually using Christianity and verses out of context as leverage to divide, as leverage to Love point your people to apostasy. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating to watch. I know everybody loves God, right? Everybody yeah. loves God right. these days. Yep. So that is exactly true. Yeah. And the form of godliness, but that is not the real thing. That's it. And, and Jeff, too, thank you for pointing that out with the parents, that it is a responsibility and it is a fight. Talk about a battle in these days to raise your kids yeah. in mm -hmm. the love and admonition of the Lord. And we just did some counseling last night with a couple and just, you know, so often we just tell them, just keep going, just persevere. Like you said, make those deposits and you know what, get up tomorrow and do it again. And the mm -hmm. Lord will bless that obedience. You just got to keep instilling this in your children. So, yeah, yeah. that's a great point. Um, 
one other thing that comes to mind too, it's just, I, I've got a little bit of a, a boxing background and part of the art of boxing or any martial arts is not just the physical side, but the, the imposing your will on the, on your opponent's side. And I feel like that's a major thing that the enemy has been doing is trying to impose his will. If, if he can get people to live in fear and be afraid to speak up, be afraid to speak the truth in love, mm -hmm. the more Christians that shut up and don't speak the truth in love, the more that evil is going to creep in and you can't satisfy it. The enemy takes more and more and more. There's nothing you can do to appease evil and error and that kind of thing. We have to lovingly stand up against it and say, no, here's what scripture says, point blank. We're not wavering from it. This is what I'm standing on. I will die on this hill. Absolutely. And amen. <laughs> Next question. I think heartlessness in Second Timothy fits perfectly into your point in the book about how will those left behind explain away the rapture. So I want to discuss that a little bit. You say in the book, some people will realize it's prophecy coming true when that happens. Yes, but others due to their hardened hearts may not even care. And I read that sentence and I thought that is absolutely true. And it speaks to the attitude I currently see. One of the things scripture says is that of course, many will turn to Christ at that time, which is great. But in the book, you mentioned God will bring back memories of conversations, perhaps, that that we've had with that they've had with believers, I should say. And I agree. And I just want the listeners just to listen to exactly what these guys are saying about evangelism, stand boldly, tell it like it is. And I just told my adult stepdaughter last year, I said, She's not, who's not a Christian. I said, you know, I explained the rapture and I said, these people are going to give you some story like aliens took us or who knows what they're going to come up with. And it's going to be a strong delusion. And I told her, I said, I know you think I'm crazy for saying this, but that's fine because hopefully that means that you'll remember this conversation mm -hmm. and you'll remember what I said. So I tell people, because you're right, God might use that during the tribulation period. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. And you know, something that, that's kind of neat, Lynn, right now is that we're seeing, Todd and I are seeing uh, really an awakening within a, the remnant of the body of Christ for trying to discern the times. Uh, people want to make sense of what's going on and they want to understand what's happening in the world. They want to know, what is my Bible? My Bible even talk about this, you know? And so we're really seeing that. I think that's really a part of what the Holy Spirit is doing right now in the church is awakening people to Bible prophecy, which really gets them in the word of God, which is the point anyway, you know? Uh, and so that's part of what we see happening. And so I think that your point about just not holding back, I think is well taken. Uh, just a few minutes ago, I was driving home and I, this, I was just thinking about this. I thought, you know, what about the urgency of the hour and where we are? And I thought, if you were on the Titanic and you got some intel that told you that in an hour, we're going to hit an iceberg, would you go to dinner or would you start telling people? about mm -hmm. it, you know? Exactly. And I think that's kind of where we are right now is that we've, you know, we've already struck the iceberg, but it's going to get a lot worse, you know? Mm -hmm. And and Christians are really the only people on the planet that have that sort of intel. And so we have to warn people. And here's the great thing. Uh, this is such a golden hour for Bible prophecy because it, like the headlines almost every day are telling us, yes, you're living in the end times. Yes, this is a foreshadowing of what's coming. So it really sets us up. It tees us up for success or at least success in witnessing uh, to tell people uh, about what's going to happen. So I do think that, you know, there's going to be, there is going to be a great revival. Revelation 7 tells us about this massive 
crowd that's going to come to Christ during the tribulation. And I do believe that a lot of those conversations that uh, those hard conversations, perhaps that some of us have had and will have with people, well, God will use those to bring those up into remembrance. And he'll also use his word. Um, but also, you know, you talk about the hardness of the heart and I don't want to monopolize the time here, but just real quickly to say, you know, Revelation 6 at the end of the sealed judgments, what's very interesting to me is that it says that every person on the planet from kings to slaves, from poor to rich, they all recognize where these judgments are coming from. So it makes sense to me that if they're recognizing the judgments, that they would recognize what happened at the rapture as well. So I don't think the rapture is going to be as much of a mystery as people think it's going to be. I think people are going to know this is what's happened. But you know what? Like you said, they just don't care. Mm -hmm. And even when God sends the judgments, you know, it says the vast majority of them will not refuse to repent. And they'll continue to the point where they're really blaspheming God. So that spirit of delusion that Second Thessalonians chapter 2 talks about is going to be heavy. And that's why I tell people now, I said, look, don't say no to God right now. Because if you say no, there's going to be another layer of callousness and hardness in your heart. It's going to be harder to say yes the next time. Right, right. Yeah, we forget, you know, going right along with that. We, we want to come at it with logic and say, no, you know. Here, here's logical, you know, you're not even thinking logically, but it's because we're at the end of that Romans one judgment. Like mm -hmm. we literally cannot reason with people right now. We have to pray for the Holy spirit to draw them and to open up their eyes because we cannot use logic or truth at its face value to reach people anymore. We're, we're beyond that. People are thinking insane things and can't even see the truth if it smacks them in the face. Absolutely agreed. I say that a lot when people say what's happening. I say, get your Bibles out and read Romans one. You have mm -hmm. exactly what Paul said. And you have in the sixties, a sexual revolution, a homosexual revolution and a reprobate mind. That's, yeah. that's how it goes. That's what we are living. When you, just like you said, when you say, why, why do people seem so crazy? <laughs> well, because their mm -hmm. mind has been given over yeah. and it's so hard to reason with them. And I also say, you know what, we're back in the time of the Greeks too. We have to approach people like Paul did in Acts 17 mm -hmm. and say, all of you are worshiping an unknown God because it's total pantheism and it's whatever floats your boat and this, that, and the other. That's the time we're living in. And we have to say, you know, because the Greeks said, what does this babbler wish to say? Yeah. And we have to present <laughs> the gospel <laughs> yeah. and say, we know who we're talking to, people that just are not receiving an understanding. And so that's the tack that we have to take. Yeah. That's a good word. Yeah. yeah, totally. And I love what Paul does there. He, he begins with just the ABCs. He begins with just by talking about the God who made the world. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, he just begins with the absolute fundamental things that they would recognize from creation and from the moral conscience from within. He just taps into that and just starts mm -hmm. there instead of assuming anything. And of course, you know, you know, this Then we're in a post-Christian culture here in America. Uh, we simply cannot assume that people know the Bible stories or who people are in the Bible or what yeah. Jesus did or, or what Jesus were even talking about. And so we cannot um, assume that at all. I mean, and like you said, I start a lot these days in evangelism with creation and God is your creator. Because just like you said, we can't assume that they know that I have conversations with young people. And sometimes that's one of the first things that I'll ask is, so what is your origin? How did you get here? And it's the evolution and the monkeys. And I try all the time to direct them back to no, actually God who spoke the world 
into existence, ex nihilo, you need to understand and know your creator first and foremost and have that big picture and understanding of who God is. And a lot of people don't. So I really appreciate that point. Okay. I would like to ask you to, to reflect on the days of Noah and the days of Lot and things being like that. And I think mm-hmm. Jeff, do you have a book coming out? I believe on that, or you have a book out right now. Is that right? About Yeah. It's uh, as it was in the days of Noah. It's uh, came out in 2014. It was a bestseller. So we're re-releasing it uh, in uh, this fall and it's uh, I've added two more chapters to it and that type of thing. So yeah, it's going to hit the market again here this fall. But yeah, it just talks about the days of Noah. Christ compared the end times to the way it was in the days of Noah. <clears throat> so basically, when we rewind back to the days of Noah, uh, we notice that there are certain characteristics that brought on a global apocalyptic judgment from God. And part of that, of course, was the Genesis 6 with the sons of God coming down to uh, mortal women. And God says, no, this is not going to happen. You're not going to corrupt the human race this way. And but, but also, uh, he mentions uh, several times in that passage, violence in Genesis 6. Uh, there was out-of-control murder uh, during that day. The, the ground was bled red, uh, uh, bled red with the, uh, the blood of people. And, so, uh, and also sexual immorality. Uh, he says that he uses the word corrupt. You've corrupted the earth. And it's the same word that same author Moses uses in Exodus uh, 32, where he talks about the children of Israel having this out of control orgy at the bottom of Mount Sinai. Mm -hmm. And so you can only imagine in a world where everybody is allowed to do what they want, uh, just the theft, the murder, the rape, uh, the selfishness, uh, the godlessness that's going on. And we're seeing that mirrored right now in our own culture. Everything is pointing towards the fact that you are your own God. Uh, You're in control of your own destiny. I mean, even this bill that's being introduced right now in California uh, about abortion is really all about you being God. They call it reproductive justice. Well, there's no justice in this uh, for the child. So, but everything points to that. I, I can love who I want to love. I can kill who I want to kill. I can be who I want to be. I can speak what I want to speak. So everything is really boils down to people being God. And that's exactly what it was in the days of Noah. And again, th- these are the check engine lights that are flashing like neon signs in our culture. And uh, that's why Christians really need to pay attention and go, hey, uh, there's a storm brewing out there. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it says there in that Genesis 6 context that the every intent of the people's heart was only evil continually. You know, I don't, I'm not saying that's for every person right now, but every person who doesn't know the Lord is trending in that direction, if not fully engulfed in that type of mindset. Exactly. And yeah, I live in California, of course. So mm-hmm. <laughs> we see these things happening. I even did an episode on, should we stay or should we go? The, the land is soaked with blood in my mind yeah. Yeah. of just the innocence being slaughtered. And it's really a question. I'm not leaving quite yet, but it does come into my mind because mm-hmm. the land is important. You know, you think about yeah. even land seed blessing of the whole redemptive history. So the land is important to God, but that's a whole nother subject. But uh, I wanted to ask this, well, this is what I think, and I want your take on it. I have this little bit of a pet peeve in terms of pre-trib and I do lean in that direction, but it seems to me that so many Christians that I run into think that everything's going to be really rosy kind of before the rapture. And, and I have never felt that way. I mean, this is a bit of a 
sidebar, but, and, and it's, you know, um, it's not biblical per se, it's my experience, but I, when I read the diary of Anne Frank, when I was like 12, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. My mom's Catholic. My dad is agnostic pretty much, but I read that book and, and I have an active imagination. Okay. That's true. But I could hear those (laughs) Jack boots coming up my porch. And I thought to myself, I just had this feeling. I thought, I think that's going to happen to me someday. Now, where did that come from? I just, mm-hmm. well, this is going to happen to me someday. I mean, it's 1980, right? Reagan is president. No, no, nothing's wrong in the world. Just kidding. But I didn't have any reason to think that I was going to be subject to mm-hmm. a Nazi invasion. And then I read George Orwell's 1984 when I was like 16. And I thought, I think this is going to happen in America. Again, no reason to think that. I just, Mm -hmm. I just did. And I always thought, and then of course, when I became a Christian, I started putting everything together as far as prophecy, et cetera. And I started to understand some of those reasons and things that could happen here in this country. But I've always thought that things are going to get way, way worse before the rapture. Mm -hmm. I mean, we could see nuclear war. We could see massive persecution in the United States before the rapture. So I get a lot of pushback on that. You know, I get like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's going to be just sort of dancing through the tulips and then God's going to take us. And I say, well, great. I hope so. But I want to be mm-hmm. more prepared just in terms of if we are imprisoned or, you know, those kinds of things mm-hmm. are going to possibly happen. I mean, we see them happening and yeah. yeah. happening in other countries right now. So yeah. America's next, you know. Well, I was going to say, you know, that that's being borne out in what's happening in the world right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are not getting better. Uh, and, and really for Americans, I mean, we have gotten such a pass uh, for so many years. I mean, we, this has been our home field advantage uh, because of us being a Judeo-Christianized nation. But you know what? The rest of the Christians in the world are going, yeah, we wish we had that. But they've been suffering all along. Yeah. And Christians are being killed every day across the world. But we've been insulated from that. But I think two things. I think scripturally and both experientially, I think that that's what we're going to see. And it doesn't this in no way negates or casts a shadow on a pre-trib rapture because there's nothing in scripture that says that because there's a pre-trib rapture that things are not going to be really, really bad. Mm-hmm. It's just that we won't go through the tribulation, but we will go through tribulation. Mm-hmm. I mean, Christ even predicted that in, in John 16 and, and in John 15, he says, look, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul said, all those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So at some point, what we do for Christ and the belief systems that we have are going to be persecuted. I mean, now we're experiencing it with just basic fundamental civilization kind of stuff like man, woman, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So if we're persecuted for that, I mean, what are they going to do when we start really preaching the gospel to them saying Jesus is the only way. And so, and so I I think we are seeing the fires of persecution begin uh, to be heated up right now in America. Uh, It's happened, you know, socially, it's happened a little bit economically, uh, but as, as evil continues to infringe upon our shores and be in the top levels of government and the white house and Supreme court, uh, we're going to get the the backlash of that more and more as Christians here in America. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so true. And, and I echo what Jeff said, is that we don't know. The rapture could happen before we finish this conversation. I pray it does. Uh, I think it would solve every problem in my life right now. Uh, <laughs> but um, but we, we simply don't know. And I think, and, and that's kind of Paul's argument in First and Second Thessalonians is, live as if the Lord could return at any moment, but live 
working hard until he comes, trusting that whatever you go through, he's going to be with you, whether it's persecution or whatever. There's one promise, you know, we, we like to claim promises in the Bible. There's one Bible promise that I've never seen on a t-shirt and it's second, second Timothy three twelve, where it says everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. That's a, that's a promise of God, <laughs> but we never see that on a yeah. coffee mug or a t-shirt. The one encouraging thing, cause I've Jeff and I've, when we speak, we kind of have to address this because people are asking that same question. How much will we have to face before we go? We simply don't know. But the encouraging thing is, number one, it could happen today, and that would, that'd be beautiful. We'd all love that. Number two, it could get horrible, and we could have an underground church here in America like they do in China, uh, and we would see God do miraculous things. We would see first-century-type Christianity where, where, where ministry is done on a level that we've never even seen before. So we're here at this time. God's a sovereign God. He knows where he placed each one of us, even, you know, you in California. And we have other friends there, too, that are like, man, should we stay? Should we go? We know pastors there. Um, and I think of in that on that note, I think of the restrainer like you guys are restraining evil just by being there. So God has us all strategically placed and calls us to do all different things. We can't let the thought of, oh, is it going to get worse? scare us from living out the calling that God has put on our lives. And that's not something I say easily or that I, it's just a checkbox I check once. That's something we have to give to the Lord daily and say, God, I trust you today. No matter what we face, you gave me my marching orders. I'm going to march forward step by step, and I'm going to trust you with all the rest. That is such a good word and so true. And I remind myself daily, like you said, because it's, it's easy to get, yeah, it's easy to get afraid of what is happening and what's coming. And I did an, an interview with Mike Riccardi, one of our pastors at Grace, talking about neo-Marxism. And I even asked him just about America. I said, do you think it's perhaps even going to be worse for us because we've been given so much light and so many opportunities. And he said, yeah, I think it's a general principle in scripture to whom much is given much is required. And so when you see that happen and that we have been given so many opportunities and so much light, but re have rejected Christ on this level, that things are going to get pretty bad. But like you said, Todd, I mean, thank God we believe in a sovereign God who is, whose providence will cover this, who is in control. And I love that. Yes. Who has each of us here for a reason during this time period. And I think, you know, I don't know about you, but I say that a lot to my friends with young kids yeah. who are fearful of the future, you know, because we say, mm -hmm. well, there has to be Daniels and there have to be Esthers. And yeah. God mm -hmm. knew that these are the kids that he was going to place here at this time for that reason. And I too, I love, I always kind of wondered about the early church and how fun it would have been to be in that <laughs> first century. <laughs> well, fun, some, some fun yeah. and some, you know, terror of Nero, et cetera. But anyway, uh, how great that fellowship must have been mm -hmm. and just that camaraderie and that joy of believing and first love of Christ and, and the early church. So like you said, we might have that opportunity and we'll look mm -hmm. at it that way Yeah, <laughs> as a great opportunity. It really is. And this is the, to me, the most exciting thing is that we, we can choose to rely upon the Holy Spirit and his power in us on a daily basis. And even, I mean, just put it in the context of church. I mean, if the power went out in most churches, they wouldn't know what to do. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, what are we going to do with the lights, the fog, the electric guitars and stuff like that? The things that are just, that are, that are great, but they're unnecessary, you know, kind of thing. Um, not the fog stuff. I don't think that's great. But, <laughs> but uh, anyway, the other stuff, and you know, that's what A.W. Tozer said. He said, if the Holy Spirit were to just leave the church, 80% of the activities would go on as usual. 
And so we have to ask mm. ourselves the question like, yes, God has given us many tools, television, Zoom, radio, podcast. Those are wonderful avenues for the gospel, kind of like the Roman road of the ancient day. The road's there and we're going to use it to take the gospel. But if and if it doesn't, you know what? The word of God is not imprisoned. And God is going to, through us and through natural, organic, concentric circles of relationships, he's going to reach, reach these people uh, through us doing that as we depend upon the Lord. So it really does kind of cause us to do a little bit of a gut check each day to say, all right, Lord, I've got these tools. I've got this schedule. I've got this thing I'm doing. But how much am I totally relying upon you? Because that's really all that, that matters is the Holy Spirit working through us, drawing men to Christ, convicting them of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And, uh, and through his grace, they come to know Jesus. So sowing those seeds, and we never know. And through your podcast, through the podcast we do, we get emails all the time, people saying, hey, I just want to tell you, my life has been changed. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, on this side of heaven, uh, there's a lot of satisfaction from that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I also tell people, make sure you have your miniature Bible on hand somewhere. So again, <laughs> if they come for us, I know where it is. I can grab it. Yeah. I don't know. You know who Corey Ten Boom is, of course. Mm -hmm. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I always love that she had her little Bible when they went to the concentration camp and that she specifically prayed that when they were searched, that the guard would not find it yeah. and they didn't. And I just love like stories like that, that really help fortify us for, like we said, I don't know, we could be raptured today. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. But if not just really shoring up our hearts to know that as God has protected Israel, protects his people, protected Corey Ten Boom. Mm -hmm. So he will do with us. And we have a great, the great commission. And we have a great reason for why we are here in this time period right now. So let me ask just one last question. If you would permit that, um, what is the best way to evangelize during these times, especially during this time with the apostasy and with just with people growing colder, it seems to me. And I got to tell you guys, I run into second Peter three, three through four a lot. And I know that they're only proving scripture is true by their mocking. Like, mm -hmm. Oh, it's, you know, it's not going to happen. You've been saying that for years and years and years, et cetera, but it can be frustrating. And how do we kind of get past that? And I, I tell you when COVID hit, I thought this is going to be great. Like not COVID of course, but people are going mm -hmm. to want answers and they're going to be thinking about their own mortality. And maybe they'll be thinking, what if I have to answer for my life and my sins? And who is this Jesus who is called the Christ? And I should be able to get some traction out of this. But again, I don't know how you feel, but they were, to me, they were dead as, as ever. I still remember going across the street and talking to my neighbor and bringing up the Lord because he was older. And you know what the Bible says about pandemics and sickness. He wanted nothing to do with the conversation. And I just, I just found that happened a lot and I was so discouraged. So maybe you had different experiences. Maybe it's me, but I felt a little bit like this is how it's going to be even during the tribulation. Like we're talking about not even caring mm -hmm. and folks are going to be giving credit to God as the one, you know, throwing the asteroid balls from heaven and they know it's God's judgment, but they're not going to bow the knee. So yeah, I just kind of right. wonder what you guys think of that. Yeah. I'll uh, quick say a couple of quick things. Let Todd close it out here for us, but uh, I'll say this. Um, you know, for non-Christians, they went home, became experts on Instagram and TikTok. You know, that's basically what they did. You know? <laughs> uh, for Christians, uh, they went home and uh, according to Barna, Bible reading, daily Bible reading dropped 
Uh, it was already at 14% of the number of Christians that read their Bible every day. It dropped to 9% during COVID. Uh, they stopped going to church. A uh, third of them stopped going to church. And, and that segment of the, of the Christian population has pretty much said, okay, I'm, I think I'm done. You know, I'll check it mm -hmm. online every now and then. So there's that going on. Uh, but I think on, a, on the positive side is, what, is two tools that we really have, and these are more just kind of methodological. Uh, one is just the change life that Christ has done in us. I mean, the, the idea that everyone doesn't have a testimony, no, no everybody has a testimony because your testimony is ongoing. It's not just I came from drugs and now I'm not, you know, kind of thing because Christ saved me. It's like every day God is doing. So let me tell you how Christ impacts me as a parent. Uh, and challenges me as a dad or whatever. I mean, there are many, many, many ways that Christ is, is transforming us day by day, uh, faith to faith, that we can share with people. So just our changed life, I think, is mm -hmm. one thing. It's experiential, but it's still a good thing. Uh, the second thing is to do what Jesus and Paul did. I mean, Jesus basically said, look at the lilies of the field. Uh, look over here at the birds of the air. And he used things in his culture and then trans laded those things into spiritual realities, mm -hmm. which essentially is the word of God. Uh, Paul did the same thing, as you mentioned, uh, in Acts, uh, Acts 7. You know, look, I, I see you guys have a lot of idols here. Let me tell you something. And he went on to witness to them. And I think that's a good thing right now that God is setting us up. Uh, look at the world around us. We had a, a guy email us the other day and just said, you know, I was talking to my neighbors, walking his dog past uh, our house. And he stops at, how are you doing? What do you think about this crazy world we're in? And he said, because I was listening to your podcast, I was able to say, well, let me tell you what I think about it. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you more importantly what the Bible says about it. And so we can use the things that are going on. Hey, are you, are you afraid because of what's coming down the pike, uh, possible food shortages from this war in Ukraine, gasoline prices going up, uh, the threat of nuclear war, globalism, digital currency, all these things are coming down on us. Hey, friend, are you wondering where we're headed? Did you know mm -hmm. the Bible has answers to that? Really? Yeah, tell me about that. Mm -hmm. So anyway, all that to say is look at the world, use that as a, as a springboard and as a tool to launch into, but, but don't stay there. Always get back to the scripture yeah. and what the Bible says. Yeah, I agree. And we saw the same thing, you know, 9-11 happened and it was kind of like for a short period of time, churches were flooded. People, people were face to face with mortality and what, what does eternity mean? And oh man, I need to get right with the Lord. Obviously that drifted away with COVID. It was a global, that on a global scale. And it was like people either yawned or just got angry or just got more and more coarse towards God. So I've, I've seen, I've seen that as well. It's almost like there's no softening of the heart. People got harder and evil came in and, you know, it's easy to focus on all that negative, you know, but the darker the night, the brighter the light, you know, we're here again, strategically at this time. And especially those of us who study Bible prophecy, it's not that we're super Christians, just for some reason, we, God's given us this, this gift to have a passion to understand the times we live in and see what the scripture says about it. And what I see is people, I mean, people are strategically placed to influence other people. Um, your, your podcasts, our podcast, these are great grassroots resources that people are bumping into. And as Jeff said, leveraging to point people to Christ. Uh, I think a lot of it in terms of our own sphere of influence has to do with a little bit of self-awareness and honestly just seeking God's face. Lord, are we right? Am I, is there anything you, you know, he's preparing the bride. Is there anything you're doing that, that I need to respond to so that I can be better used by you? Then pray. This is what I usually challenge people when, when people say, I, I talk about God, nobody wants to listen. You have a sphere of influence, whether it's, you know, soccer parents or school or gym or some kind of connection. 
just pray because it's up to the Holy Spirit. Lord, please, if there's anybody that you are trying to reach right now that I know, draw them to yourself. Let us have a conversation and then be open and sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit to see how God's going to answer that prayer. So a lot of it has a lot of it's on us to pray for those opportunities and to be alert to when they happen. And, I, and one other last thing is I do think we need to leverage those relationships that we have that are ongoing. You know, a lot of times God will lead us to say something to somebody or try to, you know, point them to Christ in a, in a one-off moment. But most relationships we have, we see people multiple times each week or every couple of weeks. So why not continually pray about that and keep trying to reach them for Christ? Give them resources like Jeff and the book that we wrote. I mean, these are easy to understand resources that point people to truth to where they can say, okay, yeah, this is in scripture. This is what the Bible says or not. But it, in either case, it'll point them to scripture. Your podcast will point them to scripture. And, uh, and Jeff and I always point, tell people that don't trust us. Don't believe what we say. S vet what we say by going to the scriptures and see if what we're saying is not accurate. Absolutely. And that's really the word of, of hope, I think that mm -hmm. I want to end with just to give people and to say, keep talking, keep being bold. And I love how you brought that out. There's just certain people that God has given that urgency about what's happening and placed us <laughs> to stir up the crowd and say, listen, guys, it's, it is imminent. It is happening. I think it's, I think that Jesus's toes are hanging over heaven right now, mm. Mm. <laughs> ready to come back. <laughs> and so, uh, and just speaking about him and being winsome about him and telling our testimony and what, the way that God has changed us. And that's very true. I mean, I got saved 31 years ago when I was 21, just by a teacher in the next classroom whose life seemed to have a piece about it. It was just something different. And I mm -hmm. asked him the million dollar question that every Christian wants. So, I noticed that there's something different about you in your life. Can you tell me what that is? Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's fantastic. And now where can people find you guys? Uh, they can just go to prophecyprospodcast.com and they can see all the episodes. We've got about six full seasons of episodes there on every different topic related to the end times you can think of. And also there, there's bios for Jeff and I, so you can find out about our individual ministries as well. Right. And I encourage everyone listening. And I know my audience, the type of people that I'm speaking to right now, guys, they're solid. <laughs> they're biblically sound. <laughs> and you will love the podcast. I have been listening and been really blessed and encouraged by it. So I just thank you so much. I thank you so much for your time and any last words, <laughs> last words. That sounds really ominous. Well, maybe we will get taken in the rapture today. So yeah, last words. Well, last words about the last day. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you go back to the days of Noah. I mean, there was the ark. The ark was the ark of salvation and Jesus is the ark. And all we're doing is doing what Noah did. We're sawing and hammering every day, mm -hmm. uh, but we're pointing people as a preacher of righteousness. Noah just pointed people to the ark. And that's the point of our whole life is just to reflect the glory of God and to point people to Jesus Christ. And if we do that, then we'll hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Yeah, I can't add much to that. But other than just to thank you, Lynn, for doing what you do yeah. and for having us on today. Well, it was my pleasure. And like I said, it's been such a blessing. And I really thank the Lord for both of you. And I pray for great things for continued ministry. And until until we meet again, whether that's mm -hmm. you coming back on perhaps or in the air or 
just, you know, in Christian circles. So it's been a real joy to have you. Thanks so much. Thank you, Lynn. Our pleasure. Likewise. Thank you.